All right, before we read our passage for this morning, I'm just curious to kind of spitball some ideas. What do you think it means in the Lord's Prayer when it says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? What's that kind of phrase? Does anybody here pray that like daily? Is that a part of like a regular routine? A couple of hands. Yeah, some of us pray it, you know, occasionally. Some of us pray it every day. It's the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Keep in mind for those that pray, it's not the magic words. It's not the exact words that you say that make it the right prayer. It's the thoughts behind it. So God's will and his kingdom and forgiveness and power and like provision. It's, it's the concepts. It's a model prayer. So don't feel you have to say it exactly the right way or with those exact words, but it is how we are taught to pray. So for those that pray it a lot, for those that don't, what does that mean? May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me some thoughts. What's that mean? Larry. Some of the good things on earth are indicative of what I will expect to see in heaven someday if, if I get to that glorious place. When? When you get to that glorious place. Yeah, yeah, when. When. when? I know you. Yeah. I know you. We'll see you there. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, for sure. When? And yeah, the good stuff in heaven like shows up here early or something. Yeah, an indication of what you would expect. And the bad things, not so much. Yeah. Yep, that is not heaven on earth. That's hell on earth. Yeah. Right. Okay. Heaven on earth. What's that mean? We can say the phrase, but how do we think about it? I'm, I pray God's power to, to be man. All right. Good. Okay. And I believe in prayer, so I believe that more good comes because I pray. So the power of God, which is in heaven, is manifested here, whatever our prayer requests are. <clears throat> so the power of God, the good things in heaven. Yeah, okay, these are great. These are great. Sandra? I see it as, like, your will, not my will. Like, yeah. your will be done, even if, like, at least at the end of the prayer, right? Yeah. We all these things, but if it's something that we want for us, but God doesn't want that for us. Yeah. It's, it's, you're just kind of, like, surrendering that. So in heaven, there's like a, a perfection of God's will. Only the stuff he wants to happen is all that's happening ever. And down here, it feels like such a small slice of the pie where the things that God really wants to see just have to fight for traction. So his will. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. What do you think, Lynn? Yeah, I think of it similarly. I think it's John Piper who talks about the sovereign will of God versus yeah. moral will. So like mm. on earth, I think of like the moral will and the sovereign will being heaven. So Yeah. So God's sovereign will for those that couldn't hear versus moral will and how they play out on here on earth versus how they play out in heaven. Right. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, Steve, then Sally. Um, I feel like maybe we're all little pieces of heaven here on earth. Hmm. You know, like as believers in uh, allowing God to use us in ways that uh, maybe people don't believe you can see Him. Yeah. Yeah, that's good because that's what Christ was, right? Incarnate. So God in flesh, and then he says, I'm giving you my spirit, you go, you will do. Those come after me, even do more and more things of what I've been doing. Like, Yeah, so God on earth, heaven on earth, some bits of it, imperfectly, right? I mean, I know you are totally perfect, so you are the perfect representation of God on earth, but me and others, we, we try. <laughs> yeah, Sally. Um, for me, it's aligning my will with God's. Yeah. So you know, dang that Christian and Missionary Alliance church that I went to that talked about sanctification all the time. Yeah. But Becoming more like him. Like, 
that's what it, I mean, I think that each time that we get into the Word and we need to personalize it. Mm -hmm. you know? And so for me, it's, is my will lined up with God's? Mm -hmm. Perfect. Mickey? I think it makes me think, too, of like heaven and earth coming together, mm -hmm. which eventually will be in its fullness, but now it's like we can experience small or maybe moments and pieces of heaven and earth coming together now, um, like foreshadowing to the fullness of that. Yeah. So if you're going to hear it, she said, it's uh, heaven and earth kind of coming together. And so now we get to experience pieces of that, but in the future we'll get the fullness. Because we do believe in new heaven, new earth, right? Not just heaven. It was N.T. Wright that had the great phrase. I love it. I'll just try to remember it forever. He said, Christians don't believe in just life after death. Christians believe in life after life after death. We die, we go to heaven, and then we come to a new heaven and a new earth. That life that we live is a new earth, not just in heaven. No harps. No halos. Those are imagination things that have grown over time. It's presence of God, and that will come here too. And so, there's, yeah, there's all this fullness. It isn't just heaven. It represents God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, fullness. More and more is coming. And one or two more things. What it means for you, like heaven on earth, heaven to come to earth. Danny? I find it, um, like praying, that to be very, like, centering. people repaint heaven in their own image. Heaven's going to be fishing every day on my boat in a big lake and catch a big fish. Heaven's going to be like a big cabin in the woods. Heaven's going to be like, you know, we repaint heaven in our image. <laughs> but instead, actually, our job is just to read what the Bible says about heaven and repaint earth in its image. Like, like supplant its will on top of us and like cram us into this beautiful, perfect vision instead of it just being our favorite hobbies. It's going to be ATVing trails from eternity in heaven. Maybe, but maybe not. I don't want you to be disappointed. You're not allowed to do disappointment up there. So if we get it straight here, then you don't have to feel that twinge like, oh, God, no gas-powered motors here loud. Like, there's like a noise quota in heaven. Oh, man, what are we going to do? You know? So we find out what it means here, and that's why we're going into this conversation, thinking about heaven. We're going to read what Jesus says about heaven today. It's in John. Yeah, I'll give you a second. Hold on one second. But if we read about what heaven is like, it can teach us now what we're supposed to expect, but who we're supposed to be. And so if we don't know what it is, then what does it mean to bring heaven on earth? I don't know. What's heaven? What's the Bible say it is? Most of the stuff we imagine at that point is actually just literature. Or like paintings, halos, cherubs, little fat baby angels with wings on harps on clouds. Like, that's not in the Bible. So let's be careful not to paint heaven the way we want it, but actually know what it is in all its glory, because then we try to bring that to earth. Now we're getting somewhere, right? So yeah, what were you going to throw into that, Dad? I'm just wondering, do I have to vacuum in heaven and, and, and the new earth too? 
Do you like to vacuum? Is there such a thing as dirtiness? I don't know. I don't know. Let's read from John chapter 14. I would love a volunteer. It's only 11 verses this time, so if you've been saying no the past couple of times because they were a whole chapter, this might be your chance to read a nice short one. Maybe someone who hasn't read for us yet the past few weeks would be willing. John 14, 1 through 11. Lindsay, great. Thank you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not, do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Excellent. So what does Jesus say about heaven here? And there's a couple of the places that we're going to read. Um, we'll fill it out a little bit, but just from what we read right here, what does he say heaven's like? He's the authority on the subject because he was there and then came here and then went there and then came here again and now is there and eventually will come back here again. So this is like frequent flyer miles for Jesus. This is easy. He's the authority on the subject. What does he say heaven's like? What do you, what do you notice? Many rooms. What do you think that means? It's like a condo. Big, big <laughs> condo in the sky? Probably. Yeah. A place for everyone, maybe? Room big enough for everyone? No capacity. Yeah. It's not like here where like, we have a 250 person capacity. Right. You didn't get the Have you heard in some um, kind of takes on Christianity, it's, it's kind of a distortion of it, actually, but there's a, a, a belief that's out there that there's just like 144,000 people that will get into heaven, put capacity limits on heaven, and so you work really hard to try to get into the 144,000. Jesus doesn't seem to say that here. The Son of God who came has many rooms for all who will believe, come, join my Father, right? So we can use some of what Jesus said to evaluate statements that get made. Well, does that match up? If it matches up, if he said it, great. But if it doesn't, let's stick to what Jesus said. There are no capacity limits in heaven. It's a great point. What else? Roz. Maybe there is room for a rape, ATV, and for us to do his vacuum. If it's limitless, we could have a whole vacuuming continent or something. I don't even know. Yeah. What are you going to say? Well, it says he's prepared. And mm. just is kind of fascinating. Like... but I love that. We should take some time to think about that this week. The 
preparation that Jesus does for us. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. Any other thoughts about heaven? I'm just picking up on like the togetherness. Mm. Chapter, I mean, verse 3, where mm-hmm. it says like he's going to come and take him with, take us with him. So like well, the word yeah. with yeah. and that idea of being together in the presence of God and Jesus. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of with statements here, right? It continues with that Jesus and God are together, we're with Jesus. Yeah. If this is what Jesus knew was coming, doesn't this kind of like illuminate a little bit why he was willing to die? Because he knew this was on the other side of that. Like, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Like, this is the hope that Jesus held in his heart as he went to crucifixion. Because he's trying to accomplish this end goal through that death. Uh, Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says it this way. It says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. It's like Jesus' concept of heaven is what motivated him to go through the cross. So we should consider that example as we walk through our trials and struggles because we're longing for something better. And it will be a hard road to get there. Jesus promises that. Not promising an easy life, but he's promising something good that we're going towards. You know, in the wilderness, heading towards the promised land. So in Jesus' description, I'm going to a place with lots of room. I'm going to come and get you. We're going to be there together. We're going to be with God. There's a place for everybody. It's this wonderful thing. But I've got to go from A to B. And in the middle is just trauma. And Hebrews says, who for the joy set before him. The joy of the end goal was enough to make any passage manageable, survivable, doable. That, that's a great lesson for us. I'd like to read the other verses that Jesus uses to describe about heaven. And so I, I picked this, you know, 10 or so of them. I don't know if I'll have you flip with me just because I'm going to read one verse here, one verse there. So maybe just listen to this part. Before you even get to the verses, as I read through John 14, 1 through 11, the first things I thought of is, first, if... Um, If there is no heaven and hell, then Jesus is a liar. (laughs) There has to be a heaven and a hell or Jesus is a liar. Or crazy, right? C.S. Lewis is Lord, liar, or lunatic. He could have been nuts. He might have thought there was, but it was just off his rocker. But we're going to see in these verses, he talks constantly about heaven. So either he was right or he was wrong. If he's wrong, you should not believe him. I should not believe him. We should not follow him. We should not call him Lord. We should not live our lives for his glory. That doesn't make any sense. So this, in my father's house, there are many rooms. It's just a statement of fact. And I'm going to go there and come back and get you and we're going to go together. Like, that should be a basic fundamental belief of ours. But we live so much in the present that any kind of afterlife, any kind of judgment day, any kind of heaven or hell discussion gets like pushed away to the margins. We don't really want to talk about that or think about that. But you can't follow Jesus and not believe in heaven and not believe in hell. You can't take one and not the other. It would be nice if it was just heaven and not hell. That would be great too. But we can't do that either. When Jesus separates the sheep and the goat, he talks about these things. So for those of us that recognize that Jesus' way, the way, the truth, and the life is actually a good way, the best way, the only way, you have to take everything he says. So we're talking about heaven because there is a heaven. And for those of us who believe we're all going to be there. And it's going to be great. Everything he says about it is wonderful. And for everyone who doesn't believe, they're not going to be there. 
and it will not be wonderful. It will be traumatic. It will be painful. It will be torturous. And it will be a result of how we lived our lives and the decision we made for Christ in this life. So here is our moment to like live this short little life, and then we go on to the longer eternal life based on the choices and faith of this one. Ah, so that's just important. We can talk about a lot of extra things, but if we don't know where we're going, if we don't credit Jesus with just being very frank about some of these things, then we're letting ourselves off the hook and we're not actually being uh, literal to his own teaching, his own words. The other thing that stood out to me was that, you know, we shouldn't stress as much about this life if it's not the point. <laughs> it's here that we make our decision. It's here that we live out heaven on earth, but... We really, really panic over a lot of things that are just temporary. We get like caught up in the moment. We panic over our temporary money and our temporary homes and our temporary health and our temporary marriages. We're going to see that marriage is something that's just transformed. There's like full unity. There's not little cliques of people. There's not little cliques of marriage and family. There's just everyone, full unity in heaven. So our marriages are temporary. How are we going to live them? How are we going to use them? How are we going to love in those? How can we prepare ourselves? How can marriages be heaven on earth instead of hell on earth? Because they feel at times like one or the other. I'd rather, and I think we'd all rather be heaven. But what's heaven? Can we learn anything about what Jesus says heaven is so that it can teach us what our marriages are supposed to look like, what our raising of children, what our country is supposed to look like, what caring for the widows and the orphans is supposed to look like? It's supposed to look like on earth as in heaven. So the first one I'll read for you is Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of falsehood and evil against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. So there are rewards in heaven. There are active rewards in heaven. Talk about crowns. Talk about treasure in heaven. That exists. All right, so we're trying to paint the picture that we talked just a few weeks ago about this. I hope you caught that sermon. I don't even know if I can remember which sermon it was in, but it was going through John, talking about these rewards in heaven are the credit for a life well lived. The rewards in heaven are the memories we have of the moments where we interacted with God in this life. And so they can never be taken away because they're things that happened. They're the miracles that we saw. And then in heaven, we have this like photo album of all the miracles. We just get to look back on them and just remember and have the joy of like, look at that moment when God did that thing. Look at that moment when I was here. Look at that moment when God gave me faith and I needed it. Like those are the rewards. They come from this life and the things that we enjoy for eternity and what might be just a moment here is something we get to enjoy forever. So in heaven, whether it's rooms and condos or open space and fields and mountains, there's like an active memory of what this life was like. Do not become mindless zombies that forget everything. Otherwise, how could you be rewarded for something you did in this life if you don't remember that life? So it's a continuation. You are you in heaven. And then in the heaven on earth, the new earth, you are you. Different, Jesus was different, but there's a continuation of God and us in there. And those rewards are permanent accolades, you know, pins on our chest, things that we can admire and look at and just remember with joy. Matthew 8, 10 through 12 says this, When Jesus heard this, someone's great faith, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we will meet Abraham 
actual Abraham, actual Isaac, true Jacob, and sit around a table having a feast. As a metaphorical table, I don't know. But they're not going to be metaphorical people. They're going to be people that have been ushered into the kingdom and they await us there. There are interactions, and there will still be Abraham, Isaac, and you will still be Caitlin, I will still be Dave, but different, glorified. But us. So there is a family in heaven waiting for us. You know, that kind of like the family welcoming you home with open arms, maybe loved ones who have passed on, but you know what their faith is, you know where they're going to... There will be a return. There will be a reunion. And it will be knowable. It will be experiential. It will be face-to-face. And we can ask all those biblical characters about all those questions. How did that work? So you literally just put your staff in the Red Sea, and then the water went like that, like... Come on! And Moses would be like, I know, right? I didn't expect it to actually work. Because he was a guy just like us. But his faith worked, and our faith works. And we're going to get to have those conversations. It's going to be good. So heaven is like that. Heaven is filled with people. Heaven is a place of people, God's people, and we'll be there one day. Matthew 18, uh, 1. Some of the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child to him, and he put him in the midst of them. And he said, Truly I say to you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So there's some sort of like levels of rewards and greatness and respect that will be in heaven, but there's no pride. No one will lord over you the fact, Moses will not lord over us the fact that he parted the Red Sea. Because to even get there, he's got to have faith like a humble little child. But we'll recognize the different ways that God has used us. We don't all become neutral, like, beings. We don't just become spirits. We don't just become angels. That's just not what the Bible says. And so we'll recognize the great faith of people. And people look at us in the faith, moments of faith that we've had in our lives before visas come through and before promotions come through and before new houses all come through at the last minute. Like we'll just, wow, that's a crown. It's a crown. You just get to wear it and display it and enjoy it. And I didn't have faith in that moment the way you did. That was your moment of faith. We prayed for you, for your faith. Like, you know, it'll be good. To look at someone with like their chest filled with medals of faith and miracles. And another one, just one or two, but they changed their lives. And that's all they needed. So we're not all the same in heaven. There'll be greatest and least, and there'll be levels, and there'll be rewards, significance, and individuality. But no one will be proud about it. And no one will feel badly that they have two medals and someone has ten. Because those two medals will be the, the prides, the prize of their lives. And it will be enough. Matthew 22, 28 to 30. Jesus says, In the resurrection then, these seven husbands, he's talking about a story that was told and a question that was asked him. These seven, um, oh, this is the end of the question, my fault. Matthew 22, 28. In the resurrection therefore, Jesus, of these seven husbands, whose wife will she be? For they all were married to her. And Jesus answered them, you're wrong. Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, this is the new heaven, new earth resurrection, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. Maybe this is where the thought came from that people become angels. That's part of some tradition in some churches. We, we go to heaven, we become an angel. No one becomes an angel. No human becomes an angel. Angels are ministering spirits created by God to do his bidding, to serve us. Sometimes angels have protected us. You know, that near car crash you once got into where your car somehow went, an angel absolutely could have been there. Like, no, not right now, not right here. Angels are spirits. They are not us. 
We have a soul, we have a body, and this body eventually dies, but the soul, it's, it's us. So anyway, in this resurrection life, there isn't marriage the way we have it here. Marriage here is what God's given us to be like a foreshadowing of full unity. But in all those sweet moments with the people you love the most, where you just feel so connected to them, it doesn't have to be sexual, it's just like this closeness you experience. What if you could feel that with like tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people? Right? It isn't about marriage anymore that makes you feel like this person is mine and I am theirs. It's just like, we are so connected and it's so beautiful and full appreciation, full equality. Like that's the goal of marriage. If marriage is heaven on earth, it's to become one. It's to fully knowing each other. It's, it's love. It's unity. Well, then just multiply that by everybody and you get an idea of what heaven's going to be like in terms of relationships. But there is no marriage, Jesus says, in the way we see it here. That is an opportunity for us now to live this life for God's glory. All right, how about another one? Um, Matthew 24, 35 to 36. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So earth and heaven, as we see it now, this eventually, Peter says, since everything will be consumed in a consuming fire, how then should we ought to live? There will be a judgment. There will be an end day. Whether there's a meteor that hits the world, whether God just like pushes stop on the entire universe, whether whatever, right? Whether it's just a supernatural end that God brings about or whether it's a natural end that God brings about, there will be an end. And everything that we see here will be re visited, rebuilt, new heaven, new earth. But Jesus' words will end. So in heaven, we'll still be quoting Jesus. In heaven, all the things in the New Testament that Jesus said still get remembered, still get spoken, still get like celebrated. His words outlast the universe. And that just puts such a like priority on them to me. I want to know what those words are. I want to be able to live by them. I want to learn from them. Like, those things are eternal? Those words? Yeah. The words of Jesus are actually eternal. He calls his words eternal life at one point. But his words will outlast the universe forever. The word of God and the words of God will be spoken. I love that. I love that. All right, what else does Jesus say? We're more than halfway through, but here's a few more to kind of paint the picture of heaven. And then we have to ask, if this is what we've learned about heaven, how do we pour that into this earth? All these things we're talking about, they have to get poured in now. We can't just wait for heaven for this. This is how we're meant to live now on earth as it is in heaven. So a few more for us to consider. Luke 10, 19 to 20. Behold, Jesus says, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. It's kind of like we're protected by Christ, right? Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. As I lose my place. Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits of this world are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So is there an actual book? But your name, every one of our names are like holding a place for us. Maybe it's the rooms, the, the way to conceptualize. Every door has got a name on it. Every room is for someone. Your names are already written in heaven. There's a record. There's a book. Whether it's a literal book, I don't know. If it is, it's a pretty big literal book or a pretty big library. There's been a lot of humans that have lived and died, and Lord willing, many more that will live and die. But our names are there. A place is reserved for us in advance. So heaven's got nameplates. Heaven's got doors. 
Heaven's got places for specific people. God knows specifically who are his. All right, Luke 15, 7, uh, just so Jesus says, I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So there are parties in heaven every time someone turns away from sin. There is more joy in heaven. That means joy happens when one sinner repents. And repent means like you turn away. You're heading this way. You're heading towards a cliff, heading towards a disaster, and you turn. That's what the word repent means. And yes, it does mean feel sorry for. Like, ah, I don't want to end up there. But it's a behavioral shift as well. It's a Greek word, metanoia. It means a turnabout, a 180 shift, right? So when we really experience that, oh, I don't want to end there, shift. I do want to end there, and I'm now going this way. There's a party in heaven. There's joy. There's much joy. And it's like momentary, right? It happened because of that event. There's like reciprocal celebrations happening with the things that happen now. These are the rewards and the crowns and things we get to celebrate forever. But in the moment that they're happening, there is joy happening in heaven. Angels, saints who've gone before, Father, Son, Spirit, the heavenly host, they're like proud of us. Like you got out of that mess. You turned around from that direction. That's like cause for celebration. And it's not just in the final days or the end times. It happens when it happens. When we fight that way, when God graces us and lifts us up and puts us back on the right, joy, right then. Right then, joy in heaven. More joy than someone who's righteous just continuing. There's like a certain kind of celebration for a success story in heaven. It's a different kind of celebration than a faithful, God loves you, you're with him proximity story. It's like, ah, we, we reclaimed one back from where that road was going. And that's how Jesus feels. That's how all of heaven feels. All of heaven experiences joy when we just shift and find ourselves aligned with the Father here on earth. I love that. I love that. All right, three more. Acts 7.55 this is Stephen. He's being stoned. He was literally following the footsteps of Jesus, who for the joy set before Stephen endured a stoning, his martyrdom, because of the joy that was coming on the other side of that. So as he's being stoned, it's recorded that Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, so just feeling God's presence, like, this hurts. This is my end of this life. But this is not my end. It says, he gazed into heaven, so he looked up or he looked inward. Heaven isn't necessarily up, right? What does it mean? Just like the veil kind of like lifted? Maybe he could see more? Maybe he could see further? He could see different? I don't know. But it says, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, as he was being stoned, uh, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, this is a, a, a phrase that's repeated many times in the Bible. I just give us one example. Jesus standing at the right hand of God or seated at the right hand of God. So if God's here, right hand, Jesus is here, either standing. Stephen's watching this. So in heaven, there is this throne room. There is this place where God's presence resides. Jesus is there. He is there with God. We will one day be there. So Stephen was given a glimpse of it, and then he went there. He was literally ushered into this vision of this place that he saw. So this brings us to our last two, and they come from Revelation. And um, 
I'm not going to read to you about streets of gold. You might be waiting for that one. Like, I'm basically going to get to the streets of gold soon, right? Heaven's got streets of gold. Um, heaven doesn't have streets of gold. The new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven, has the streets of gold. So it's actually a description of what heaven on earth and the new heaven and new earth is going to look like. So depending on whether you take all of John's vision to be literal or symbolic, there's many ways to approach that book. Um, it's not talking about heaven now. It's, it's chapter 21 where the city lands. What's that city like? A city from heaven that's got gold streets and whatnot. So um, heaven is prior to that, right? We're not in the new heaven and new earth because trust me, this is not heaven. <laughs> if you think this is heaven, like you're selling yourself real short. America is not heaven. 2022 is not heaven. These bodies of ours are not heaven. Like this is not heaven. Um, but heaven is good, and heaven is the perfect presence of God with his throne room and the angels and saints waiting. And then there'll be this other thing, this restoration, the resurrection is what the Bible calls it. So a couple of places from John's vision where he describes what heaven is like prior to that full restoration. Revelation 7, 15, uh, the vision John has. He looks into heaven. He says, therefore, they are before the throne of God. So here's this throne statement again. The throne of God, and they serve him. They worship him. They bow they, they love him. They, they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne shelters them with his presence. They shall hunger no more. They shall thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So again, if it's a, a, a physical, literal stream of water and a literal throne, praise God, <laughs> bring it on. If it is symbolic of the presence of God and this ability to never thirst, never want anymore, I'll take that too. Because every day I'm hungry, every day I'm thirsty, every day I need, every day I want. As soon as we get one thing sorted, another thing falls apart. Like, to be in God's presence, what we know here is that we will have no more glaring needs. There will be no sorrow. There will be no pain, suffering, loss. It's just complete satisfaction, complete fulfillment, complete joy. Now, our bodies will be different, so who knows even what we need to survive with those bodies, to eat, to sleep, to whatever, but it will not be as it is now. So there's the throne room again. There's that, that perfect harmony of our bodies. There's the springs of living water and no more tears. There will be no sorrow. It's just not what heaven is about. In God's presence, it's not a place of weeping. It's a place of perfect glory. And then the last one is from Revelation 4. And... Um, I'll just read from verse 8 on. It says, There are four living creatures, so it describes angels. There were cherubim, there are seraphim, there are different types of angels described in Scripture. But in this, it just says the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within. Day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne, and then they worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So heaven is this full worship experience. You know, it's part of why when we sing songs, when we pray, when we find a quiet moment, you know, in the woods and find stillness, that worship, that experience of God's presence is so rewarding. But every one of our worship moments here is practice. 
is practice for heaven. When we sing, I know a lot of us don't like to sing. We need to practice. We need to bring heaven to earth. The glory that's happening right there, the praising, honoring, glory God, we're supposed to do that here. It doesn't matter if we like to sing. You don't go to heaven and be like, well, God, my voice isn't that great. You'll be overwhelmed by the desire to just pour out praise to this being that like staggers you by the immensity of his power and love. It's going to be like mind-blowing. But we need to replicate that now, whatever capacity we can. Our lives need to be worshipful. We need to find ourselves like falling on our faces sometimes, blown away by one little bit of God. Thinking about his patience, or thinking about his love, thinking about his mercy, just one little bit, and it should just stagger us. Because if we're not staggered here at all, if we never lift our voice and like, God, glory to you, how are we bringing heaven to earth? We're living as humans then. We'll get brought into glory eventually. The, the, the praises will come like taken from us, drawn from us, whether we want or not, because we won't be able to resist. It'll be so beautiful. We have opportunities here to live in worship. If you think back on these things, we have opportunities here for there not to be crying, but to be moments of healing. We have opportunities here to be in God's presence. That, that's a little bit of heaven. It's what it's like, and it can be done now. Uh, rewards and memories. When we look back on certain events, we say, that was God. That's, that's the crown that we're kind of like polishing up a little bit. It's the memory. It's the, the glory to God for something he's done that we'll be able to celebrate. We get to do that now. I love hearing your stories. I love hearing what God does in your lives. And it's not pride, as long as you don't take credit for it. It's just celebration. So we bring heaven to earth, we celebrate how God works, and we'll celebrate it for forever. What were some of the other ones? We'll be the table around Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like when we gather as Christians, like we're experiencing, this is like a heavenly gathering. And when we gather with other churches, we don't even know anybody's name. It doesn't matter because we find like, oh, we're the same people. Heaven will have some of that too. A lot of people we've never met, but we'll be together. You know, church fellowship, fellowship with Christians is heaven-like. You know, celebrating what God did is heaven-like. Um, Jesus' words, not passing away, but living by them. We, we, we learn something from Jesus one week and then we forget it. You know, we learn it on Sunday and we forget it by Tuesday. Like, don't let it pass away. Did Jesus say something to you or didn't he? If he did, put it on your fridge Put it as the screensaver on your phone, your computer. Write it down in whatever book and put it in the bookmark. Let you flip to it. Like, put a reminder to pop up next week or next Monday. Remember, like, don't forget. His words don't pass away. So if we bring these things into our present, it brings heaven here. And we experience God's glory. And it's always imperfect. Like, it's like a little approximation. But it's so good. It's meant to be good. It's the best. It's being in God's presence. But even all of this, all of heaven is a segue to the new heaven and new earth. And so I would be remiss to spend all of our time simply talking about heaven if it's simply a beautiful moment to reside in God's presence before the resurrection. I would love it if in the new heaven and new earth there's no barriers between heaven and earth. You could travel between the two. And will God's throne be in this city on earth? Will it look like cities that we know? I don't know. And I encourage you not to need to know exactly how it'll work, but to have the hope of its reality. Because again, if it's not real, then Jesus lied to us. But if it is real, then we get to hope, even though we don't have specifics of all the details. We know what's coming. We know the hints that we're given. And we're looking to bring heaven to earth right now. So I'd like to ask you to just take a minute. This is where I need to turn it back to you because I don't know all of your specific circumstances in your lives. But can you think of some ways this week that you can bring heaven to earth in any of these capacities? 
Is there a person that somehow you could bring heaven to earth for? Is there a very sticky situation that you're in that, that could use a little bit of heaven? That's our job. If we can conceptualize what that looks like, try to like overlay it, put it on this life and say, can we bring any of that here? Because if so, then we're living out the same life that Christ lived out. He brought heaven to earth and look what it did. Look at the power and the impact that it had. We will have that kind of glory of God experience if we can think of that. So uh, Mickey and I are going to come forward now. We're going to close with a song, but as we uh, get up there, maybe we'll give you a minute just to, to think, please bring heaven to earth this week. You can. We should. We're supposed to. But know what it is first. Because if it is just naked baby angels with wings, then you got to do that this week. So I totally let you off the hook by saying it's not that. So maybe there's something more literal from Christ that we can implement. Um, And then maybe even celebrate some stories next week, you know? Celebrate what God did with us trying to bring heaven into our specific lives. So just give it some thought, and then we'll close with a song.